the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Long form stories, personalized team and league feeds. Get the app, pick what you want to see, and get a personalized feed every morning. Or check out theathletic.com and visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. 40% off your first year subscription. Planning to talk about. We've got a World Series that just finished. We've got a, an NBA in the offseason, an NHL in the offseason, an NFL headed for midseason, and plenty, plenty more. We're following it all on Track, obviously, with NASCAR news, PGA news. Everything's kind of turning over here quickly after, you know, modified late seasons for a lot of this. The Masters is coming up in a couple of weeks. So there's plenty of reasons to find multi-sport, long-form, personalized news feeds. And The Athletic is certainly your place for that and for me every morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the NFL trade deadline is officially here. Uh, we did the Monday show pretty much completely around that. And some of these trades have begun to process here, starting with Carlos Dunlap to the Seattle Seahawks, a move that the Seahawks needed to make. I bet they're not done. I bet they bolster that defense even more, knowing what they have now offensively. Obviously, the big news this week was Antonio Brown. I'm going to leave that alone. It's a million dollars. You know, it's about 110000 per week that he's active. He can play nine weeks, eight weeks after the suspension is up. I don't know how he's going to fit in terms of production and, you know, ball sharing. And, you know, is Mike Evans going to be less of a weapon now? Chris Godwin is even healthy. That Tampa Bay team is really interesting. But let's just let's just watch it play out for a few more weeks here and see where they are. Uh, that's been a real bit of a roller coaster ride in, with that team. Um, but look, quick baseball before we get to Scott Allen and a ton of basketball, which I'm actually excited about because we've got some structure, some maybe what ifs in terms of start dates and things like that. But the uh, the offseason is officially here and things are going to move really quickly with basketball. So we'll, we'll bring in Scott in just a few minutes. I just want to touch on a little bit of baseball. Obviously, the World Series ending means 2020 season is in the books, sort of, right? We're not officially into the 2021 league year yet. So what does that mean? It means there's going to be a, a huge run of option decisions with a lot of these players, a lot of notable pitchers and things like that. Veterans, they're probably all getting declined in, in terms of clubs and, and mutuals and things like that. It's just, everybody's going to try to get cheaper. Unfortunately for 2021, it's going to be a weird off season, a weird free agency. You know, there's been a couple of down free agencies for baseball in the past couple of years as it is. So, I'm a little concerned at, you know, looking at who may be available versus with the money that, that's going to be shelled out. Uh, everybody may have to take a little bit of a cut here, unfortunately. And it's going to start with these options. So you're going to see them coming in fast and furious uh, in, in tw- on the Twitter sphere and certainly on our transactions feed. Um, I'm kind of working all day long here to update 2021 rosters. What does that mean? Placeholders in terms of pre-arb guys. You know, who's on the 40-man right now? Who's not on the 40-man right now? Um you know, all of the things that I'm I'm sort of projecting what your 40-man roster is going to look like for 2021 and on every team. And then I'm going to dial it back and try to project the active roster, that 26-man roster, uh, and project some payrolls and things like that to get us primed for new contracts coming in via free agency, trades, things like that as the winter meetings get into effect in December, hopefully. Um, so there'll be plenty to talk about with baseball in more depth soon. You know, I'll follow up my 40-man work here with a free agency piece. Who's available? Option decisions. What does that mean? Uh, certainly trade candidates if they're out there. Extension candidates we've sort of touched on. We're going to have to dial back into that again because Corey Seager just won the uh, World Series MVP. You know, Bellinger had a good part. He's a candidate. 
There's a bunch of Dodgers players for sure, and a bunch of shortstops, to be honest, across the league. You know, the Carlos Correa's, the Frankie Lindor's, uh, you, you know, and the Seagers, obviously. When, when does that position turn into the running back in the NFL or the goalie in hockey where, man, the, the young kids are good, but are they worth, you know, $150 million? So we'll, we'll get into that for sure. We'll bring in Cousin Dan and a couple more guests to talk baseball money, not just this year, but then a looming strike possibly and what that might mean in terms of the CBA and actually playing baseball on the field as well. So baseball is going to get fun, rapid fire. It's starting probably this week with these option decisions. I'll have 40-man updates probably done by the end of this week. And then, like I said, I'll start diving more into the nuts and bolts of this offseason in terms of who's going where for how, how much and all that good stuff. But uh, congrats to the Dodgers. That was a heck of a series. Baseball pulled it off. You know, give Rob Manfred and his crew a bunch of credit. This got done when it got when it started ugly. Got real ugly there with the Phillies and the Marlins and, and the Cardinals and the Mets there for a while. But we're here. They pulled it off, not without a, a hitch, of course, with the Justin Turner situation. I'll, I'll leave that alone. It's been talked about to death all day. Um, look, he's a big part, and he's a free agent. So we'll be talking about him more again soon in another light terms of you know where his 36 self goes or stays with the Dodgers but lots going on lots of off seasons all at once here you know the basketball one's going to kick in real quick like I said and Scott's got a lot of great stuff on that so let's get to that without further ado joined on the hip raid hotline by Scott Allen Scott as previously mentioned we're going to talk basketball here we've got a little bit of breaking news that I'm going to drop in your hat <laughs> the uh you know another Woj bomb there's been a couple today and actually we probably should get to all of them the, the one right now is regarding the upcoming season, which is why we're here in the first place. This probably doesn't surprise you, but I'll get your reactions anyway. It sounds like they're going to re- announce a schedule in halves. So they'll give us like three months, and then the final three months of the season will kind of be, we'll see how it goes, and we'll figure it out when we need to for a couple of reasons, right? Number one, if they have to flex games later, they'll do it. Number two, if they if there can be fans, right? If things clear up, and and they're in maybe like a regionalized pod system to start the year, they can open it up to actual home and away games. It gives them the opportunity to do that. Is is that your sense? I know you've been reading into a lot of this stuff from a lot of different sources. Is your sense that they're going to take more of a baseball approach, where you know it'll be geographically scheduled for the first couple of months, and then you know if they can open it up, they will. Yeah, from what I've read and, and seen, it sounds like that might be the case. Uh, it, you know, going by the halves is interesting in the va- fact smart. that you said you could flex. Yeah, from a business standpoint, it's really smart because like ESPN and TNT, if instead of being locked into games late in the season where it, it, it's a dud game. Yeah, we've talked they're about allowed this, to especially re- when like, the Golden State last year, remember, with all those injuries and there were like 97 primetime games <laughs> that Turner had to deal with. Right. Th- this flex thing should be here to stay, correct? Oh, absolutely. If And especially if it works really well, sort of like the NFL flex schedule yeah. where you can move games to a prime time uh, uh, situation. If the NBA can do that, where they run half of a season and then recalibrate their 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 uh, uh, televised games to have those premier games and matchups, then that's just going to draw more money, more ads, more everything, because fans and businesses are going to want to be part of those games. So there was a 10% dip this year. That's what the NBA has officially just reported. Um, 
part most of that is pandem- pandemic based. They are saying out loud that some of this is the issue with China, the splintering partnership that happened when Daryl Morey. Boy, the the day Daryl Morey gets hired by Philadelphia, the NBA drops the fact that Daryl Morey cost them <laughs> millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Literally, uh, that is just that's beautiful irony right there. Um, they're not going to be able to recoup this money right now. And the only opportunity they have to at least try is to start on December 22nd, like they're trying to do here. That's all this is, right? LeBron's going to hate it. Everybody's going to hate this, except for our fans. Um, but that's what this is about, right? They know their numbers now. They've, they, their books are closed on 2020. And that this, this aggressive start date around Christmas time is about saving as much face as possible going forward, right? Oh, Absolutely. So from from what we're hearing, it sounds like the NBA draft is going to go on as planned on November 18th. Sounds like probably uh, free agency is going to be around the 21st. So that's still to be determined, uh, November 21st, that is. Mm-hmm. So we're giving them about a month of free agency. Um, and then it sounds like December 22nd is probably going to be the start because of how things fall with uh, the, the television broadcasts. And then December 25th is going to be their, obviously ESPN, ABC's big one. And and they want to get between 70 to 72 games of a season, at least from what I've read. And and what that does is it allows them to get as many games as possible. It probably is a, uh, you know, reading the tea leaves that they, they realize that Waiting to have fans in the stands is is not a viable option at this point because they may have to wait too long to have the fans in the stands and they'd rather at least have something on TV and, and generate some revenue off of the ads or whatever technology aspects they're going to add into it uh, again. Yeah, um, let, me, so let, me, let me jump in here, Scott, because it makes they, sense. they've actually pushed a, an offer to the Players Association as of right now. Everything you just said is exactly what, what, the, what the offer says. A December 22 start date, a 72-game regular season, and a play-in tournament for the playoffs. All of this which would allow the season to end prior to the July 23rd Tokyo Olympics, which also is on the table still. So um, they are going to give a plan B, which we've talked about quite a bit here, which is Martin Luther King weekend as the start, ba- start date, which would push the end of the season into September meaning the Olympics are probably out in terms of, you know, any NBA athletes going, but also competing in terms of ratings as well, not to mention the NFL and the college football season. So that's probably a obviously less likely plan, but this is smart negotiations, right? Because we, we already kind of know that the players hate the first one, December 22nd, and you can understand why. Are we going to find a compromise, or can the league kind of figure out how to make December 22nd work and also make the players happy? Because... Silver's been pretty good at this up to date, right? Kind of playing ball for all teams. Um, but it's going to be, this is really aggressive. I mean, this is really going to make your, your superstar veterans. Eh, not, I'm not sure unhappy is the right word, but you, you know, how do you, how do you make them get on board with this? Cause you can't have a Christmas day game without superstars. Just can't. No, th- those are great points. I think if you think of it from the standpoint of, the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers, they're the two teams that went the furthest. LeBron's going to be your draw, but 
majority of the teams have had extended time off, especially the teams that didn't go into the bubble. So um, from that standpoint, those teams should be ready from a uh, physical standpoint. I would think so. Um, Again, it's a fast timeline as far as signing new players and getting them in and and figuring that out with especially new coaches and that kind of stuff. But I, I would think maybe that they're going to be more flexible with playing time or you know we've had the issues where certain players on primetime games you know that they they balked at that because they want those players to be there but if there's going to be no fans in the stands they may be a little bit more lenient if lebron wants to take off uh you know the first few games or not play as much because they realize that they want those players to be ready to go towards the second half of the season um but from a revenue standpoint, you want to get these games probably started as soon as possible because you want to have uh, that revenue coming in. And if in a way they can get some of those NBA players to go to the Tokyo games again Oof. for the brand, to me, that's got to be last, right? It, it, it is. It is. The NBA comes first and they always want their players to be part of the NBA in itself because that's where the money comes from. But from a marketing standpoint and a global entity to have some of the yeah. players that could go to Tokyo and be on TV in a global sense for a NBA that is a global brand. And let's keep in mind, the Olympics are in Tokyo, which is over near China, yep. which, you know, it's a cascading that. effect. Got to repair it. Yeah, you do. It's a, that's you a do. really good point. You're right. That's got to be part of this. Um, okay. So real quickly, and then we'll move on to some, uh, you know, more interesting things, honestly. What happens to the player salaries here? Let's assume they can get 72 games in. You know, let's assume that at least the first half of this schedule is going to be fanless, you know, so the gates are gone. The gate money's gone. What does this mean for player salaries? There's going to have to be some kind of reduction, correct? Yeah, there will be. Um, I've I've heard rough, rough estimates of 30%. That's so high. It could be... it is, and maybe that that estimate that came out was based on if they started later in January as opposed to in December. And well, that's gonna, that that's going to be the sliding scale. That's how baseball did it. Remember, we went back and forth for eleven weeks on on the sliding scale yep. between number of games versus how much was going to be cut and all that stuff and the proration. Is that sort of what we're getting into here, right? If there's a plan A and a plan B, plan A comes with X percentage cut and plan B comes with B, you know, B percentage cut. Is there going to be like a happy medium between like, you know, 72 games starting January 5th, but it's going to be a 20% cut of, of salaries, you know, with the ability to recoup it if you, I don't know, who, who knows. Uh, also, how about just unpaid vacation days here? Is that ridiculous? Like if LeBron wants to take 8% of the games off, he just doesn't get that salary. Is that, is the Players Association never going to buy for that? No, they probably won't. But in like LeBron's case, he gets an advance. So the money that was reduced for last point. season for him, it's being pulled out. He's of getting paid back. Upcoming yes. season. Yes. So he he's going to get he may get hit a little bit more on paid salaries, um, a little bit more than others because he's already been advanced and they've pulled out accordingly. But yeah, I think it's probably going to be a sliding scale based on when they start, how much they can get in. 
you know, the, the play in bubble is the play in bubble going or play in tournament going to, um, be within that 72 game season or is that right? Is that all teams? Yeah, that's a good question. Those are semantics that are going to be very important because if it's not, if it's excluding the 72 games, then you're getting more games on top of what you originally had. So, you know, it's, I think that is probably why, as you mentioned off the top, that they're going to figure out like maybe a half and a half of a season because they may be able to flex here and there if fans can get in in the second half or if they need to go to a bubble. I know they want to do everything imaginable not to go back to an Orlando bubble. They really don't want to go back into that situation. Um, But it's going to be a fluid system for sure. Okay. Uh, what's the what's the 72 games? Is that the TV contract? Do you know? No, I don't. Uh, that's my guess. My guess is that's the absolute min- um, minimum or maximum, I should say. Minimum. No, minimum that TV contracts say you have to play in order to honor our sponsorships and our ads and that kind of thing. So my guess is... It probably won't dip below that, but yeah, you're, it's interesting to think about the playing tournament. Does that bring them up to 82 games? You know, is it 72 mm-hmm. plus 10 with your playing games and, and everybody's paid accordingly and every, everybody gets the 25 to 30% pay cut and we just go forward from there. I mean, they're already estimating a 40% drop next year in revenue. That's what this statement says today that literally just got released. So, you know, they're playing their cards. They're showing their hand right now. And, uh, if we know anything about Adam Silver and his, and his uh, you know, his decision making, this is not going to take long. <laughs> so uh, we've got about three weeks until that draft. I would imagine that Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver are going to get into a room in the next two weeks and kind of quietly figure this out and get it done. And uh, we'll well, ha- we'll have some substance fa- to talk about here, right? Right. I was going to say the fact that they're putting out these numbers means that they are probably they're probably close to knowing what their threshold luxury tax threshold, what their cap max is going to be. And it's going to come down to the negotiation of what do they want to do? Are they going to keep it at a, at a flat? Are are they even going to be able to come up a little higher? Are they going to be lower? You know, the fact that they've ran the numbers and we're, we have these numbers now means that the, this off season is being way accelerated more than most probably You're anticipated. Right. You're right. They're not but, sitting on their hands right but, now. That's for sure. No, not at all. Okay. Anything else that you want to at least bring up? I mean, the, the idea that there may, may or may not be a G league is interesting because I mean, you and I have had kind of internal discussions about should these rosters be expanded? You know, if LeBron's going to take days off and a lot of these players, I think will have to because of the aggressive turnaround here and, and just the nature of the situation. I mean, the health and all that, um, you know, whether or not they expand rosters is probably a moot point. That seems ridiculous. Like that's a, that's a major CBA amendment at this point, but you know, not, not being able to have some sort of minor league system, you know, baseball nixed the minor leagues, but they did expand to that, that pool, you know, that, that 60 player pool. And boy, a lot of teams really had to use that. Obviously the Marlins literally had to create a whole new team from it. So, um, you know, if they can't have a formal minor league system, like in the G league, there's going to have to be some sort of pool, right? Quarantine pool with each team. Uh, maybe just a practice squad, essentially. Uh, are you anticipating this? Am I way off or, or, or is this going to have to mimic the baseball system at least somehow? 
I think that's probably going to be part of the uh, CBA, uh, you know, collaboration between the NBA and the, the Players Association to figure out what they want to do. I mean, they already have two-way contracts that they can have uh, two players on the roster. So the, instead of 15, they can be up to 17 during the season. But those players are are capped at being on the active roster for 45 days, and then you have to either sign them to a standard contract or they just go back to the gym and they're practicing with the team scott they're they're with the team they are and it's based on when they're up with the team so the 45 days kicks in when you're with the team and when you go back down and you're not with the team so if if they were on a team on a day off that would count towards their day but if they were going back to the g league for that day then it would not count so it's sort of like baseball where your days of service are up and down based on that um, so they, they have two of those. They can sign those to them. I expect teams to use that. Uh, most teams did use two, but there were a few that only had one or uh, none. It, it could be as easy as just so. expanding those slots, though. You know, maybe it's, it maybe be. it's four or five for 2021 so that you've got this a little pool of players you can pull from if, you know, three of your players have to get quarantined. You know, and instead of canceling it, a game, we just go forward with that. It's not likely, but well, and <laughs> and it could be as easy as changing forty-five days to sixty days, yep. especially with the with the fast schedule we're going to have. And keep in mind, as you mentioned, the the toll it's going to take on the players. It sounds like there's going to be more back-to-back. Whether you know it's yep. regional, where you're playing, you know, a Knicks, Knicks, and then in Brooklyn, or you know, Golden State, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, or however they structure there's going to be more back-to-back games uh, to squeeze in to get to where they want to be. So whatever they can do to alleviate uh, the stress and, you know, load management that they're they're going to have to do with some of these players, the injuries, yeah. It's kind of a forgotten story in baseball now, but, man, halfway through that season, that's all we were talking about was just how many people were getting injured left and right. It was a... It was, you know, a dozen players a day that I was updating on the transaction wire and you knew it was coming. I got to I got to unfortunately say that's probably coming for basketball in this up, upcoming expedited season. It's coming. I mean, you know, the, the physical toll that these guys take in a normal schedule is daunting. And you put all of this in there, too, and a little bit of travel now, too, you know, a little bit of sitting on planes and buses to go with it. That's a recipe for, for disaster, in my opinion. But uh Look, I want this thing to get off the ground. I trust Silver and his crew. You know, the, the Orlando bubble, bubble was unbelievably outstanding. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to say it. It, it. It's probably worst case scenario for a lot of teams. And I'm sure a lot of those players really absolutely hated every second of it. But it got done. It, it got done. So whatever they decide to do here for 2021, I'm in for now. Uh, but there's certainly some red flags. That's all we can say here I, yeah. you know, with everything. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think I read that they've because of the bubble, they recouped $1.5 billion back. So, I I mean, the fact that they recouped that amount of money, um, it's kudos to getting it done. I know from what I read, there were players that hated it. Um, I would have. The NBA NBA itself doesn't want to go back to that. But, you know, a lot of the talk with the ratings and being down, I mean, everything is down right now. So I think you have to take the ratings with a grain of salt in who watched it, when they watched it and all of that. Yeah. I think from a standpoint, that stuff's getting I old. Think from a, it, it is. I, I think from a standpoint, at least my takeaway from the NBA and me watching it was 
I thought it was awesome. The fact that I could watch it noon and then watch it two 30 and then watch it six 30 and watch it eight. It was like March madness where yeah. there was always a game, no matter what time of day you could just flip it on and see what it was and, and, and watch to the end or, you know, and then the next one kicked in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Obviously they're going to want more primetime games because that's where people are going to watch and where the money is going to be. But as far as scheduling is concerned and, and rosters, it, we're just going to have to see what they, they bargain. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some of these nuts and bolts. We've done some, uh, some pretty good homework here in terms of what this 2021 season might look like. Uh, 2020, I should say. Um, even though part of what we took away, Scott, is that a lot of these teams are probably thinking more about 21, 22, right? And one name specifically yes. in terms of Giannis. And it sounds cliched to say that. And everybody's kind of saying that out loud right now. But this isn't a one-year project. Teams have to do work right now and do due diligence and do some cap work right now to give themselves a legitimate chance. We saw this with Kevin Durant. There were a lot of teams that did a lot of work to try to give themselves an opportunity at Kevin Durant. Look, the Knicks freaking dumped their team. They cleared their entire roster to be able to bring in three max players and got zero max players. I mean, that's the lengths these teams are going to go when those windows open up. Well, we're in that window right now. We're in the Giannis window, even though it's a year away. Maybe it's not, by the way. I mean, there's a a good percentage chance that Giannis Antetokounmpo is traded in the next couple of weeks. Is that wrong to say? No, no, it's a valid. I mean, if Milwaukee knows something we don't, which is, you know, I'm not Mm -hmm. signing here. You trade him right now. The best time to trade him is with term, right? With one year left because it's a $25 million salary to match, which makes it easier to make a trade. You could probably get more draft picks out of that trade because it's less salary to match coming back. This is the time to do it. So, you know, there's only one team right now that knows exactly what's going to happen to Giannis in 2021. Um, <laughs> and it's it's Milwaukee. And maybe they don't even know. Do you think Giannis has even disclosed to them? Um, I don't know. All right. I don't know. Give us he, the contracts. He, 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 Give us the, let, you know, the worst case scenario would be that he signs a max contract extension right now. It would take all, all the air out of this balloon that we have all built up here, right? But yeah, it it would, but I have a hard time thinking he's going to want to sign that super max extension, especially with the numbers coming out today and then saying that they're expecting 40% loss next year um, to, to, to want to, to want to go down that road. It's a really good point. Um, What does that say? What does that say to Anthony Davis and Giannis and, and these players who are considering their contractual options over the next couple of months? What, what are those revenue dips? And, and I would imagine cap dips, right? That's what we're talking about here. What is that saying to those guys? I should sign one year. I should sign two year at the most. You, you know, Giannis signing a five year is not happening, right? I mean, me personally, if I was him, no, I don't want to sign a five-year right now because okay. you don't know what the landscape is. What about Anthony it, Davis? I mean, you know, we don't know what the landscape is from a day-to-day. I, I think in his case, like a, a one-and-one yeah. where you have a You're still there. one year with a player option is probably – yeah, I am because let, let's say it comes back and they collectively bargain that this year is going to be – uh, a flat rate at 109. And if the projections are that they're going to have 40% loss again, 
they may collectively bargain again to have a cap, yeah. you know, in, in, in a 109. And so it allows the player and the agent to have a little bit more flexibility of, do I want to stay or do I want to go? And if I stay, I they have my bird rights, so I can do a little bit more in signing and getting the max that I can get based off that. Um, and, and keep in mind in what, 2022, I think is the CBA expires anyway. So they're going to be in labor negotiations at, at, at that point as it is. So there's going to be a lot of changes when we get to that point. And Anthony Davis but will be it, up against that, that 10 years, 10 years I mean, of experience, I mean, right. That'll push him into 35% zone. So he, he's got a personal reason to why, why to slow play this thing. That's not the case with Giannis because of the super max. So, you know, Yannick could completely cash out right now, but what what we're both saying, kind of collectively, is the the league is at, it's like it's like buying low right now. Is what you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be it's like buying. Well, actually, for him, it's like buying high. It's like buying at the wrong time. You 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 want you, you know the cap and the, and the thirty five percent of what that would be is probably as low as it's going to be right now. Whereas if you can wait this thing out for two years, then lock in your five year extension, well, you're probably going to be in a way better shape. Um, Go ahead. Well, and let me let, let me add this because how valuable are draft picks really going to be in yeah. the next two or three years? Because if college, I mean, it sounds like college is going to play, but say something happens and they can't play, you know, the one and done is going to be coming up. You know, those players, some high schools aren't even having high school sports in the fall. They might go to the spring, you know. It, a lot of these implications are going to be a trickle-down effect of how valuable are these uh, draft picks really going to be for lottery picks. I mean, mm-hmm. we're already seeing right now that the draft is being watered down and, and saying it's not a great stellar draft as it is. So are, the, are teams going to want to get out um, and, and say, yeah, you can have those picks because we don't think that they're going to be that valuable moving down the line? Not to Obviously, mention, not to mention, the, young the, teams well, don't win championships. Correct. It's just a but fact. And from a, from Milwaukee standpoint, they they drafted Giannis in fifteen. So th- I mean, they did their homework and and saw something in him. Maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle again if they do trade and they get some draft picks, um, and and go that route. So it, it is a fine line between what is going to happen. And from the Bucks side and what's going to happen on Giannis's side. Now, I, I, in my mind, I'm sort of treating Giannis like LeBron, like Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. AD to a certain extent of he may need to go to a different team just to get over the hump, to go into an organization, to sort of get that killer instinct that Durant needed, that LeBron needed when he went to Miami. He just needs a new facility a new organization can i give you a a hotter take than that i think he needs to be i think he needs to be with a player who's better than him very similar to anthony davis yeah Uh, that is that is an excellent point because he is a hell of a player Giannis, in his own right but i don't think with the current style of this game that he's even the best player on 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 a winning team i don't i think he's the second best player on a winning team right now um, and that's why Milwaukee's doing what they're doing and not doing what they're doing at the same time. Um, so let's get into it because we've got some teams here 
not that are not just in the Giannis sweepstakes, but are really just in that time to go, right? And one of them just overachieved <laughs> to the nth degree, right? The Miami Heat were at least a year away from where we thought they were going to be. I, I, I mean, we knew they were going to be good. You, you kind of read the tea leaves a little bit heading into that, bu- that playoff bubble, and uh, y- you liked them a lot more than I think most people did, Vegas included. So, but I don't think any of us had them win in the Eastern Conference. You know, that was, that, that's a tall order for that young Miami team, plus Jimmy Butler. But they've got flexibility now. They've, they've got flexibility. And it's, what's funny is their major free agent Scott right now is Goran Dragic. And unfortunately, they got to see life without Dragic, didn't they? <laughs> because of that injury. And it wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, they could not move that ball. Tyler Hero kind of went back into his shell and and didn't rise to the occasion of, of being the, you know, fa- de facto point guard for that team. So so where are we going and it here? And Bam, too. And it, it hurt of Bam, course. too, of course. to a certain extent, you know, b- b- getting the passes from him. So, All right, Scott, let me pose it this way. Miami Heat, are they going to push the pedal down here and buy in free agency possibly or buy via a sign-in trade or a couple of trades and try to get themselves right back up to the top of the Eastern Conference? Or are they going to slow down here and become one of these teams that gets in as best shape as possible to try to acquire Giannis, whether it's, you know, the deadline, next offseason, whatever it's going to be. Where do you see the Miami Heat coming off this, you know, this finals loss? I think they end up slow playing it, to be honest. Um, I mean, them going as deep into the playoffs that they did to the finals there, shows the rest of the team that, you know, this is a, this is a place that you want to come play um, with Jimmy going there. So they are in really good financial sense right now to, to be ready for 2021. Um, Maybe they'll bring Dragic back on a one year short term deal there to keep, to keep their space open come 2021. The the one thing that they are going to have to decide on is if they want to give Bam yeah. a, a an extension because he is extension eligible ed, eligible here, and they can either extend him now and sort of eat up a lot of that cap space in 2021, or they can wait and do their off season in 2021 and then sign bam using the burger rights to go over the cap so they can have the cap so space he's not, to sign he'll be a restricted outright. free agent after this season so Cor- it doesn't yes, make any sense in next off season if they think they're in the Giannis conversation you don't extend him now right no you don't you need to re- you need to keep as much cap space open as possible now bams it will still have a cap hold but it'll be much lower than you know someone that may sign with a lot of cap space this offseason so if Dragic comes back they'll just waive they'll renounce his on a one-year deal they can renounce that cap hold right away and then clear some space with other aspects but um if i'm the miami heat i'm i'm telling bam we will we will sign you we want you you just need to wait so that we can do what we can to have as much room to sign, whether it's Giannis or any of the other players in 2021 that are going to be available. So are you thinking then that Bam and Giannis can live together? Why not? Yes. I mean, I, I, I would say yes. So Bam, Giannis, and Jimmy... 
and then Hero. And then you have Hero, and then at that point you'll have Hero on a rookie extension. Boy, oh boy! So they're they're leading up to what could be this current team plus plus Giannis, probably without Goran Dragic. I I don't think he's back. Do you? I think they find a cheaper point guard. I know Jeremy Grant's been linked there, and there's honestly there's a half dozen point guards on our list right now that probably yeah, would take like, less money be, just because of what you said. They're desirable now, so all you got to do is be well, a role guy there. And again, they can do. Uh, there's there's going to be probably an uptick in signing trade. So if Dragic wants to really go somewhere else, and true. Uh, Miami Heat can get back somebody that is serviceable or is uh, has a contract that expires after this season to still remain off the books for 2021, then that may be the route that they go. But right now, I mean, they're, they're looking good. 2021, they only have Jimmy Butler locked up. They have uh, Tyler Hero's uh, club option should be exercised this offseason. Yep. So that'll probably get locked up. Andre Iguodala has a club option, which will probably get declined. Yeah, that's a maybe yeah. at that point. But that's a maybe. But if you want to open up that even more space, then you do so. Um, so th- they're they're in really good um, cap management right now. You're right. They're aligned nicely, Scott. What they need to. Yeah, they they're, are. They're aligned nicely and, here. And this is and this is kudos to the front office for making sure that they knew to be lined up for this date. Now. The Knicks that you talked about, they tried, but something just went wrong that they just completely missed on everything, and then they had to uh, go the route that they did. But I think with the Miami Heat showing what they can do and what their organization is made of shows that this is a possible free agent destination. And if you are a high-end free agent and we can give you a maximum deal, you're going to want to come here, especially to play with – with Jimmy and whoever else they may have at that point. Okay. Team number two in the Giannis sweepstakes. Uh, also a pretty good team. <laughs> pretty fun team. Maybe, maybe one of the most fun teams to watch in all of, in all of M- uh, NBA basketball right now. The Dallas Mavericks have Luca. They've got the unicorn. Uh, the other Curry brother, right? Seth Curry. And a couple of youngsters that can shoot and play some defense. This is a well-built team, and I expect them to be better this year. It just seems like they were one year away. It's exactly what they were. There's a player option for Tim Hardaway, almost $19 million, and Porzingis can't stay healthy. That's what I'm going to pose to you right now. So how do you factor those two items into getting yourself Giannis? Because Mark Cuban has not been shy about you know saying without saying, we are all in on the Giannis sweepstakes. So how, how do they get it done? Well, if if Tim Hardaway opts in at the almost 19 million there, as soon as he opts in, they can move him. So if they want to trade him, they can. If they want to wait to the deadline and slow play with the season that's going to be upcoming, they, they can do so and trade him at the deadline. Um, with the Porzingis situation, I mean, he's only going into the second year of that maximum deal that they signed with him. So he's uh, also only 25. Is another team going to want him? He is. So do they want to move him? Probably not. I mean, if they can finagle a situation where, you know, he's still playing there, then it, maybe it works. But like you said, they're going to have to. 
Let me ask um, you this, Scott. You, you probably keep him for sure this year and hope to hell you can showcase him. Correct. L- let, me, let me tell you why. Because he's the perfect return on a sign-in trade for Giannis. That he is. He's the exact person you could you could dangle to the Bucks and say, look it, we're going to take your guy off you, your, your generational superstar, but we're going to give you a pretty nice player back, plus a load of draft picks, and uh, we're going to make this work for both sides as much as possible. To me, that's exactly what Porzingis is right now. Maybe he works out gangbusters in 2020 with Luka. Maybe it all works, and it's a moot point. But my guess is that's exactly what Mark Cuban is saying behind the scenes. We just got to make Porzingis good enough to be a, an, an able trade piece for us to be able to bring all the ammo we can to this to this Giannis conversation because it's going to be like Durant, right? People forget Golden State signed and traded Durant. They got D'Angelo Russell back in the damn move. I mean, that's a big time move. Uh, they didn't just lose Kevin Durant; they completely kept themselves afloat by losing Kevin Durant with with a the now number two pick and and this is upcoming. Uh, or last year's first round pick plus D'Angelo Russell. So the I foresee that that's the kind of ammo you're going to have to bring to a Giannis conversation with Milwaukee, who are going to be miserable about losing this guy. So you better make it make the pot as sweet as possible. And I think Porzingis is a really good start to that. Yeah, that's a great point. The other point that I'm going to make is Luca's obviously going to get a rookie extension. Yeah. So that that as that's soon gonna, as possible that's going to come down the <laughs> as soon as possible yeah. right and that can happen next off season so do you do you do that knowing that you have Giannis coming or whatever oh, else oh yeah no matter I mean, what they're, they're 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 going to have that they will exercise the option for 2021 this off season which is only 10 million so he'll be locked in for 10 in 2021 if you can bring in Giannis at the max of whatever 30 million plus 32 and probably. Yeah. I mean, that's a steal with Luca being at 10. So you definitely pull the trigger wherever you can deal with poor Zingas. That is going to be the multi-million dollar question of can Porzingis and Giannis coincide or does one of them have to go? And if so, where is he going to go? Can Dallas find someone that wants him? Um, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating scenario because like you said, Cuban has made, uh, he's made it known that he wants to be in the sweepstakes for Giannis as well. So, um, are these the top three teams? If, if you were, if you were doing the Vegas odds right now, are these the top three, t- three teams or are the Lakers squarely in this conversation? Hmm. Hmm. I'd like to say the Lakers are possibly in contention, but I, I would need to see what their situation is financially. Let's see. They only have in 2021 LeBron at a player option. Everybody so comes off the books. Everyone comes off the books. Including yeah, possibly they, Anthony Davis on a player option. So they, they can literally be rewriting this entire script in 2021-22 if they want to. They could. Yeah, they could. I mean, I mean, LeBron it, it, could walk away. We've talked about this. LeBron could just flat out walk away from basketball, and the Lakers might be left with Giannis and Anthony Davis. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a terrible way to lose LeBron James. Um, I, I think they're here. No. They're, I think they're probably fourth, but, man, they're, they're right there. They have, they have the, the, 
the team building window lined up properly and they have the lack of finances, but also the ability and the draw that any of these teams do. Do you know what I mean? They could come in out of nowhere and be the number one pick without even a question. I'd put Dallas second. I'd put Milwaukee third. I'd put Miami fourth right now. Okay? I think that's where yeah. I have it. Um, okay. I agree with I that. I think Dallas has a real solid chance here. I think Mark Cuban has made, has done a lot of, of things that people have uh, resonated with, you know what I mean, and related to. S- really smart. Not so much political, but he sort of made himself a, a, a bigger name in basketball than I think he anticipated he was going to be. You know what I mean? Um, especially in, in, in light of this pandemic and how he handled it and how he was kind of that first, the first big player to say, or, or, or big name in the NBA to say, hey, we got to be an example here. And they did. <laughs> you know, Somebody listened, whether it's Silver or the rest of the teams, but he kind of gets a lot of credit for this because of what he said on live TV and then what he actually did, putting actions to his words. So He's got to have a lot of draw, especially with a guy, you know, we're going to see the Giannis story. It's going to be a Disney movie soon here. Literally, I just read this and uh, there's going to be a draw for a guy like Mark Cuban. I understand he's got his red flags and his black marks, but um, but there's there's going to be some sort of draw to, to him and, and the way that he handles his team and, and his business and bringing in a guy like Giannis as a brand and also as a guy who just wants to mm-hmm. have a home for the next five years. So. I, I, they got to be right there, but I'm not going to discount the Lakers. It'd be crazy to do that. It'd be crazy. Yeah, you would. I mean, to be honest, any team could be in that situation, especially like we said, signing trades. Yeah. I mean, he could go, he could pretty much pick. And as long as the team can get something back for him, I mean, Milwaukee, I mean, that's that game of chicken of, do we let them walk for nothing or do we get something out of it? Yep. You know, it, it, it Milwaukee is not known for a free agent destination. And so they're going to have to really uh, do their, their legwork, which I'm sure they are on what do we do if Giannis does leave? Are we ready to move forward? Do we know what kind of draft picks that we're, we're potentially going to take that can fill in? Not that you can necessarily, uh, you know, fill in for uh, the production that Giannis does, but you know, what, what can we do to set up, set ourselves up for post Giannis if he does move? And if, if they do smell blood in the water that he is potentially going to leave, do we pull the trigger now or do we wait and just say, all right, we're going to see what it, the situation is in 2021 and then say, we'll just do a sign and trade situation. I, I think that's absolutely what's going to happen. I, I think that the right move right now, if, if you're an NBA fan and you've got a favorite team is, do we have enough salaries off our books in 2021 to even consider this and then b do we have that one player that one trade bait player that will that will you know satisfy the milwaukee bucks along with draft picks to even make this a consideration you know it's not just dumb luck that durant went to brooklyn and brooklyn had d'angelo russell dangling there you know who was going to be replaced by kyrie irving in, in about a day and a half right that that happened right after durant moved so i I think that's what it is. It's it's financial space, but also one really good trade piece. That's what you need right now to be in the honest sweepstakes. I'm not sure Miami has that unless Miami's ready to move on from Bam. You know, maybe maybe if that's the case, yeah. you're sitting there waiting for an offer sheet on Bam in 2021 as a restricted free agent, and <laughs> that's where you know that's how you get this done. That's how you get this done. Some sort of sign and trade offer sheet situation. 
Do you have that player? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's where this league is going. The sign and trade is going to become a major, major piece of this league unless that gets nixed in this next iteration of CBA. Something to think about, right? The, the max contract situation, the sign and trade situation, are those going to hold up through this next CBA? And if so, teams are just going to continue to abuse them in, in a positive way. You know, you, you don't want Milwaukee to, be, to become nothing after losing Giannis. That's, that's the beauty of this sign and trade. Right, we want a Porzingis type player or something. DeAndre Ayton, right? Phoenix could be in this conversation, but we want something like that coming back in order to get a generational player. We don't want players like this walking for free. That's bad for the sport. That's bad for the parity of the sport. So, I, I like this conversation because Milwaukee still stays relevant, and a team like Miami or a team like Dallas, who it's been a bunch of years, obviously. You know, Miami's back in the fold now, but seeing Dallas, the, the idea of of Luca and Giannis is just, uh, I mean, just write, just write the script, right? <laughs> just write the script now. So I love that they're in the conversation. All right. You kind of pick our poison here to finish this thing off, Scott. We got a bunch of things laid out. Um, if I had to give you a recommendation, we probably should jump right to Golden State because you've done a lot of math work on this, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Lay so, it out for us, man. Yeah, so they already have $148 million already on the books. <laughs> Just to start. <laughs> and the cap is what? The cap, probably 109. And the luxury so, tax is what? I mean, well, they're, they're, they're at 138-ish, <laughs> 130, 132-ish, somewhere in there, wherever it's going to fall. Yeah, they're but, in trouble. You know, they're, 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 they're in trouble. They're already paying a tax bill of about $33 million before the season even starts. Um, and this is a team that barely just barely missed paying the tax bill last uh last season by like three hundred thousand dollars and tell people why that matters yeah tell people why that matters it's important because they are not a tax repeater for this season um so that's extremely important which would do what double basically double your bill um not double it but it would go up by eh, probably one and a half or so yeah it 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 would it would hurt them man Pretty, pretty substantially. So not being a repeater this season is important, but you know, they're already going to be a tax person, a tax team for this upcoming season. So that means in 2021, they will be a tax repeater. So they're going to have to sort of look forward on who they're bringing in, what they have and, and sort of line things up. So th- the reason why golden state is, a fascinating scenario with this luxury tax is they have three, three items that they have to figure out. One is the number two overall pick. Do they, do they keep it? And if so, do they sign that player or do they trade that player after they pick? It's not just because the draft sucks, right? It's not even about the player. It's about the cap yeah. that comes with it. It's about the almost $9 million price tag that comes with it. They just right. really can't afford it from a tax perspective. You know, you know I, don't, no, I they, don't think it's good business to bring a player you really don't love on that cap and, and just destroy your tax bill even more. That's what you're saying here, right? Yeah, so right now if the cap remained the same and the, the, rookie, the draft rookie scale stays the same as last year, the number two overall pick is projecting around $8.7 million. Just signing that player to that contract with that value for the 2020 season. And doing nothing else. Would, and doing nothing else, keeping everyone else as is, and keeping even the non-guaranteed and they stayed on, 
their tax bill would go up to around 58 million <laughs> from the 33 million because of how much over that luxury tax they would be. The other situation is they have a $17.2 million trade exception, which everybody's which allows salivating to, about because it's just another great player they're going to get, except what? Except if you bring in a player at $17 million. <laughs> all right, so let's say, let me rewind. Let's say that they trade the number two overall pick and they just use the trade exception. If they just do that, their tax bill would go from around $33 million up to $93 million okay. because you're bringing in $17 million, which is double what the number two overall pick would be. So in the event that they keep both, say they keep the number two overall pick and they sign it and they use the trade exception to bring in another player and keep everybody else, that would get them up to $129 million tax bill. So that's why it's very important for them to decide what's more important. Do they fall in love with the number two overall pick and they think he he is a viable option for the next four years? Or do they bring in a player that they can you know use for one year if they're, it's an expiring or maybe they it, two years? It, it'll just depend on if they want to use that exception or not. So the just, just hold on. Is, just to reiterate, Scott, yep. I want to make sure the numbers are out there. They keep their current roster, mm-hmm. which starts at $148 million on the books. They, they draft and sign LaMelo Ball at number two overall. So you're adding $8.7 million. They then acquire, give me a name. Mm. Give me a name. Tristan Thompson. They acquire Tristan Thompson using a $17 sign-and-trade exception clause. Okay. Good enough? Yeah. Okay. So they spend $17 million. He wants to sign at that. Yeah, yeah. I get it. He wants to sign at that. I get it. It's low. But let's say Tristan Thompson comes in on a $17 million trade exception. That means your, your, your active roster now costs $173 million, which is $70 million, like $65 million north of the of the max, the cap max. So you pay $173 million to your players as cash salary, and then the tax bill is $129 million? So, so you're talking 173 yep. plus 129. You're, you're telling me this is a $300 million season for the, the Warriors if they keep their roster, draft the number two pick and sign them, and use the trade exception. A $300 million year. And they're, and they're plus 950 to win the finals, which has mm-hmm. actually moved up. People are betting them because that, that was at like a plus 1,100 two weeks ago. So people are betting this team to win the finals. Is winning the finals in 2020-21 worth $300 million? I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's for the front office to decide, is that okay or not? Um, These are crazy I mean, numbers. You haven't even talked about the, mid- well, the mid-level exception. This could be another $6 million yes. tacked on, which makes the tax bill what? 153 So 173 plus the 5 plus 153 If they use all of their exceptions... Uh, the mid-level exception, the major trade exception, they sign the number two pick and they keep their current roster, they'll be paying a minimum of $331 million in 2020-21. That's crazy. That is crazy. 
in a year where where the, where we just announced where the league just announced that revenue is going down forty percent, <laughs> that would well, be completely backwards it, thinking. It, well, and keep in mind this is with a luxury tax of one hundred thirty-two. So wherever the luxury tax, and that's based on what I have in there. Do you so think it's going up or down? Goes, what are you saying, Scott? I'm saying if it stays flat, this is what it would be. If it goes down, they're paying more, way more. I understand. If it goes up, they're way, they're paying way less, depending on where things may go. And I've heard that there's been there's possible negotiation of an artificial uh, luxury tax being at a certain threshold, uh, you know, maybe a little higher than it, because the league knows that the teams. Uh, have these high salaries on their books and teams are going to get hit pretty bad. Um, well, but, let me ask uh, this me question. Go ahead. Me, go ahead. Let, let me say this. The reason why I said that the Golden State Warriors did themselves well by being $300,000 below the luxury tax last season was this 153 that I'm saying for the number two, the 17 million trade exception and the tax mid-level 153 would really be somewhere between 185 and 190 right. if they were a repeater right right just so having is, the is, number is, two pick would have been you know like a 90 million dollar tax bill correct yeah just to sign yeah, the number would, two pick so the fact that they went under the tax threshold last year was absolutely huge for them because this year is already absolutely a disaster They've, there's decisions being made here do you do they trade draymond green just to get out of this mess i'm not even joking no, I, I'm not either. They. I mean, aren't I you aren't you like, better off using this the 17 million dollar tax exception to bring in a, a player to replace Draymond Green, who you could trade? Isn't that good business? Even though it might not be the best basketball move. Yeah, they're the Warriors are going to have to be in a best business scenario yeah. unless they want to pay that that amount of tax back to wow. the league. Um, the, the other is that they've got a. Uh, five guys that are have non-guaranteed salaries that they could waive, but then you have to bring in guys to fill those spots, right. which you're going to probably pay them. And these are guys that played substantial time last off season or last season because of the injuries that they had. So they have a good sample size of whether they want to keep these players or not. But the other, the other trade piece could be Andrew Wiggins. Do they move him? Yeah. That would help a little bit if you could bring back someone else, um, or two players for him if they wanted to move him to bring in some, you know, split split one really good and bring two serviceable players to help fill out the roster and maybe bring their tax down a little bit. But it's going to be I something to monitor the whole to, season how, how they handle this tax situation because they have until the end of the year to to you know get it to a decent point. They're not going to be under, but monitoring the overall tax bill is going to be something we're going to talk about all year long, Scott. Right. And the reason why it's it's very, very important for Golden State is they already if they say they keep Curry, Thompson, Wiggins and Green yeah. on the books. I mean, you're already talking. They're projected to be at 40 million tax bill next year and, and there'll be a repeater. Um, so <laughs> somebody's and going that's just with those four players locked up. So, so something's going to have to give. But whatever that is going to be is the front office is going to have to run every possible scenario mm -hmm. looking forward to what they can do. Because, I mean, if if the players that they have, 
and they're projected to be into the playoffs, they're not going to have this number two overall pick. So it just depends where where they want to go. And they got to trade back. Cap, they got to trade back, if right? That cap, if, the, if the cap and luxury tax stay flat next year or yeah. maybe goes up a little bit, depending on how, what the revenue actually ends up coming into, these next two years – and maybe even three because that new CBA and whatever happens with that. But these next two years, they're, they're, they're vital to uh, the owners of the Warriors because they're going to pay. <laughs> oh, by the way, like, Steph Curry expires after 2021. So right. you're going to have to redo that sucker most likely. Um, they absolutely trade back, right, and get themselves like two later first-round picks in exchange for the number two. Yeah, that would help. I think so. I think Boston's got help. like three firsts. You you could probably swing, give Boston the number two pick, and and go go way back in the draft where these picks just get cheaper. They, these picks have to be cheaper. They can't afford eight point seven million flat out. They can't do it. I mean, they they can. They shouldn't want to do it. Here's my last question for you, Scott. We'll get out of here on this. The I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure the the listeners at least get a look at this. The with baseball, there was you know a significant pay cut in terms of cash that was earned. But the luxury tax payroll salaries remain the same. So the way that we calculated the, the luxury tax for baseball, the CBT, none of that moved. So if Clayton Kershaw was worth $34 million, but he made $16 million from ta- for a tax purposes, he still was counted as $34 million. Is that going to be the case here? Or is there going to be a, a discount in tax, for tax purposes that maybe we're not talking about here? No, from everything I know, it's just going to be the percentage of cash that's going to be paid to the players that would have to go back. And just like this, this end of this past season, they kept the luxury tax and cap as is. I think they're going to do the same. I think what they'll do is what I mentioned earlier is they're going to probably artificially inflate that tax luxury tax threshold so that knowing that there's going to be a dip, the, the, the teams that are going to be affected won't be as affected it's kind of like a covid uh, relief package right right they're they're just helping out and because everyone's in the same boat so instead of golden state uh paying you know 33 now with their current roster if the cap and threshold went down and them having to pay 50 million because of the the mathematical projections uh maybe they they agree to say all right it, it will make the cap this, but the luxury tax will be and at it's, this. It's not just about like a loan. It's not about just like a buyout situation that the league would be doing. It's it's to make sure that movement can happen. You, you got to have yeah. an off season of some kind of normalcy. If, if the Golden State Warriors want to move Wiggins, there's got to be enough teams available from a tax perspective to mm-hmm. be able to take on his $26 million. Otherwise, everybody's completely, you know, hands under their butts. And it's not just because of a cash situation. It's because the league financials didn't move enough to allow for movement. So uh, yeah, yeah, cash and cap that- and tax are three completely different elements in, in the NBA. And it, they've never been more visible than right now. And, and that's why the league can move one of those needles without having to touch the other ones, right? Right. And what's even more... Uh, pertinent is we keep talking about these sign-in trades if you're sign-in traded your team becomes hard capped yeah yeah so if you accept that sign-in trade your team is hard capped and you cannot go over the tax apron which is about six million 
more than the luxury tax threshold. Why that's important is if the cap and luxury tax fall and teams sign on these sign-in trades, that's going to put even more teams up against that luxury tax apron, and that means less movement at the trade deadline or or even signings. Like Golden State, they were hard hard capped all season because of the uh, Russell sign-in trade, yeah. and that that made them not able to sign certain players that they may have wanted to, or they had to wait to sign them because every dollar counted. They had to wait until January, February to sign players on prorated salaries so that that $2 wasn't going to be effective from the day before. So it's very important that teams know where this luxury tax is going to be because of the amount of teams that could be affected by it, especially Golden State, because if not that they're going to facilitate a sign and trade, but they could again, and they would be hard capped now because they're so far above that luxury tax threshold and the apron, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to facilitate a sign and trade because they're already over. But um, depending on who moved, you know, that could come down. And and it's important to know that this is fluid. The this luxury tax bill. Yeah that we have estimated on on our site is not locked in until the last day of the regular season. So like and who the hell uh, knows when that's going to be Oklahoma, <laughs> right. But Oklahoma city, when they had Carmelo Anthony and all, all those other guys on that roster, uh, Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that we were talking about how they were going to be paying a luxury tax bill of like $80 million. And by the end of the season, when all was said and done, they had whittled that down to, off the top of my head, I think it was in the 30s, if I remember correctly. But they were able to whittle that down because of the fluid motion of the the league year. And so that's important going into this new season for the Warriors, just because we're projecting them at 32 and even higher. They could sign the second overall and move them at the trade deadline or bring in an exception at 17 million and move that player at the trade deadline. And this money that we're talking about could be off their books come the end of the season. Yeah. But, so but it, I think it's, it's important, a, Scott, whatever they do in the next couple of weeks here, whether it's draft and sign that number two pick, whether it's use one of these exceptions, you know, if they're adding, it probably means they're going to be subtracting in February. Don't you agree? I mean, these tax yes. numbers are big. I, I know NBA franchises yeah. make a boatload of money, and it's kind of funny money to us talking about it. But generally speaking, they don't go this big. OKC didn't let it happen. I can't imagine Golden State's going to let it happen. I, I mean, any of these tax bills, $75 million north, that's big-time money, especially in our current situation. So I, I would expect if they well, are adding pieces now to get better for now, some, Wiggins or Draymond Green or some or somebody like that is going to be on the trade block in February. Well, that's why I say if they if they start the season with the number overall t- uh, number two overall pick and they start and use the trade exception to bring somebody in, yeah, even just start the season and then shop really hard at the trade deadline to move those players. They at least are getting serviceable players that can play and see if they they like those players. But they can move on from them. This luxury tax bill is not set in stone. Right. They they, they can do a, a sort of like a, a trial period with these players, and if they can move them again, it's probably good business. Again, not then. You know. Then you, you want to showcase Wiggins as much as possible if you can. I would imagine, don't you think? 
well, showcase Wiggins, showcase the number overall, yeah. number two overall pick. Maybe, maybe there's a team that likes him, uh, and they had their sights set on him. But Golden State said, "Oh, we'll just take it." Or if they could facilitate a trade at the at the draft, um, the other the other thing that could happen is I'm not saying this is going to, but they could do a draft and stash at number two, where they get a player that's from mm-hmm. overseas and store him overseas and just keep the cap hold that they they would have and because they're so far over that cap hold wouldn't count so that eight seven wouldn't even hit the Mm, books that's a good point scott so it could be it could be a name we're not even thinking of and they take him number two overall with the intention of he's not even part of our roster right now right well not part of the roster you could trade the draft rights to that player to another team later on if he wanted to um so there, the whiteboard in the Golden State office front office has got to have all of these possible scenarios with webs of what could happen, plan A, B, C, D, uh, because there there are there's just so many different scenarios that teams could go down. So you you find out who the Washington Wizards want to draft, and you draft that player number two overall, and you stash him with the intentions of trading him along with. <laughs> uh, one, another player for Bradley Beal, right? That's what you're doing. Anything's possible, okay. you know. It, 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 anything is possible, in, in because of how fluid everything is, it, it is going to be uh, one of the fastest off seasons yes. and one of the most dynamic off seasons because of uh, what is in front of us. Final <laughs> thoughts. Give me your thirty. Second take on Daryl Morey, Morey joining Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. It's officially oh, wow. Daryl Morey Day. It is. Um, 30 seconds. I think it's a great move for Philadelphia. I think Embiid could be on the clock because we know Daryl does not necessarily like the big man. Yeah, although that um, didn't work well. But it didn't work well, and he probably will will have learned from his mistakes, so maybe he tweaks his analytics. I'm interested to see what is proprietor, proprietary for him to have brought with him to yep. Philadelphia from Houston because you know he built that analytics department from the ground up. So is he allowed to take certain aspects with him or known right. entity software or and software? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because we may run into a situation like in baseball with the Cardinals and the Houston Astros situation. So what is he able That's to take point. with him? Um, but I think it's the right move for Philadelphia, knowing what we've talked about over the last six months of what do you do with Simmons? What do you do with Embiid? What do you do with Horford? What do you do with Harris? I think it's the right move and the right person to come in and figure out what is the fix. Daryl Morey loves superstars. And he loves to tinker. He does. It's going to be it, he, it's that, such a fun matchup here. <laughs> he's not afraid to make a trade a la James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. Yep. You know, I will not be surprised to see a different superstar on that Me roster too. because Daryl Morey is going to go in there and say, no, you know what? Who wants player X? I want that guy. Let's bring him in because his analytics are fit this roster. And that roster is much different than what Houston is right now. So his analytics are going to be able to tinker much more and bring in a different skill set to that roster that it may get them over the hump. It's probably one of the most complicated puzzles in the game right now, the Philadelphia 76ers roster. I mean, we've been 
all of us out there have been back and forth on who should stay, who should go, who's working. Jimmy Butler in, Jimmy Butler out. Why did they sign Tobias Harris? So many question marks. He probably looks at this like such at such a data challenge, right? <laughs> like he's he's <laughs> he sitting does. down to this brand new computer and and looking at at these numbers internally that, that Philadelphia has been compiling, and it's just it's go time for him. He, you know, you're right. It's about sorting out what what's working, what's not working. I can't wait to see what the first move is. What's the priority move to clean up Philadelphia for Daryl Morey? I can't wait. So I, maybe there's Vegas odds on that, right? Trade Tobias Harris, trade Embiid, right? Buy out somebody. What's Simmons. it going to be? Yeah, what's it going to yeah. be? So it's something to watch for sure. We'll be on it. Good stuff today, Scott. The Golden State Experience, the Dallas Mavericks Project, where are the Miami Heat going in 2021? Plenty of more. And, of course, Giannis Watch is officially here. Could happen as early as the next month, honestly. Could happen soon. Yes. Draft November 18th for all intents and purposes. Free agency immediately after that. Half a schedule coming out soon as per the NBA and uh, once we get the numbers, we'll be back on here to talk about them. My thanks to Scott Allen for The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Get yourself 40% off. We'll be back soon with another edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. 